Welcome to Day 2 Cloud. We've got a sponsored show for you today with Aviatrix. Aviatrix does multi-cloud networking, and they make the whole cloud networking thing suck less. They've been on the Packet Bushes podcast network before, and we're going to get into aspects of visibility, that challenge, and then automation and what's going on with that. Ned, what stood out to you in this recording? You know, I think the thing that stood out to me is the automation conversation we had. It really, when you get to any kind of scale in cloud, automation is key. Uh, one of the guests, Justin, was talking about doing things manually in the UI, and we all agreed that's a terrible idea to do even more than once because we're all terrible typists and we all make mistakes. So it was really good to hear about the automation that Aviatrix brings to the table. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, this typing and errors. I've never had that problem except every time. Anyway, every please enjoy this episode with our guests. They are Justin Payne, Cloud Network and Security Architect at Muller Water Products. He's an Aviatrix customer that's going to be speaking firsthand about what he's done with the product. John Smoker, Customer Solutions Architect at Aviatrix, and he's a former Aviatrix customer before he joined Aviatrix. And then last but not least, James Devine, co-author of the AWS Certified Advanced Networking Official Study Guide, former AWS human, and now another one that has joined the Aviatrix team. Please enjoy this show. James, welcome to the show. First question to you, the, the, the problem of visibility when I have moved my infrastructure to public cloud. Because as an enterprise guy, I am used to really owning everything, being able to see everything, have my monitoring systems that tell me all the things that when someone asks me a question, I can say, yeah, it's this. See the thing that's out of range or whatever the problem is. But with public cloud, I feel like, well, maybe that's the question, James. How much visibility am I losing as I move ops into public cloud? You know, a lot of folks think that they'll, they'll get that same level of visibility in the cloud. But actually, the constructs are quite different. You can't plug in network switches and taps. You can't just set up NetFlow on routers. In fact, there aren't even routers. We're working on an on overlay network on top of the providers. So you actually do lose a good amount of that ability to do physical tapping and put devices in the network and run NetFlow and all of those things that you'd really just expect to be there. And the provider will tell you, hey, you know, we have, if you're in AWS, we have flow logs. If you're in Azure, there's traffic flow or there's traffic logs. We got you covered. And it's not like essentially you're getting allow and deny list. And what you do with that and how you use it becomes really difficult. Like, how do I take flow logs across 100 different accounts and aggregate them and get an actual holistic view of my network? Um, not, not an easy problem to solve, actually. So where, where are you taking us down the road here? You said that we have you covered as in Aviatrix. And, and I, I think what you're getting to is the co-pilot product. Is that right? Yeah, so certainly we do. I, and I mean, the, the provider will tell you they have you covered, but then kind of mislead you and, and send you a bunch of blog posts on how you can kind of stitch these things together. And I don't know, I don't know many network engineers that I've talked to that know things about deep analytics and, and uh, all of these services that you need to stitch together to get an end-to-end -end workflow that you can just do on-prem. Um, it's not really an, an analogy. Yeah, James, James, if I may, I, I've I know no, AWS is notorious for this. They'll say, oh yeah, we can solve that, no problem. But what they actually give you is 16 of their solutions that have been cobbled together with Lambda scripts. And you're just now responsible for managing that entire mess. And they go, well, we do have a solution. You can use it. And I'm like, yeah, you could use it, but it's gonna require a lot of admin overhead on your part. So I'm assuming, A, your solution has a little less admin overhead and B, it's gonna work in more than just AWS, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, that, that's the benefit of our, our platform. It's multi-cloud aware, pick a cloud and, and deploy our infrastructure and then get the visibility. Um, we do uh, NetFlow by default. So all of our 
all of our gateways that we deploy for our data plane are actually exporting NetFlow directly to our, our NetFlow collector that we call Copilot. So we have deep insight and we're actually quite uniquely positioned to have really deep visibility across your entire multi-cloud network. Okay, and so if I have multiple cloud presences, uh, is this something that I need to install a bunch of agents everywhere or is it something a little bit lower touch than that? Because I know that's that's can be a difficulty is getting things rolled out in all the various accounts and subscriptions I have across all my different cloud presences. Yeah, and that, that is a common concern we hear from customers. And, and the good news is we do all of that automation for you. So we'll we'll build out our, our gateways, we'll we'll update your route tables. In fact, I've deployed in clouds that I've never logged, I've never logged into GCB and figured and figured anything. <laughs> I've deployed in network infrastructure into it. So that's the power of our platform for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you've ever logged into the GCP portal, uh, you might have regretted it. So I think not, not having to touch it is actually a bonus. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, just just to to speak to what James was was saying there, uh, and and kind of uh, give a some context that might resonate with some folks. When I was an Aviatrix customer, so on the other side of the fence, prior to bringing Aviatrix in, we had actually spent developer cycles on putting together our own visibility tooling because of what was lacking from the the, cl the cloud provider, and and of course it was time we spent. It was very specific to a uh, certain infrastructure that we had and very specific to the cloud that we were in. And so, you know, once we, you know, it, it, once you've done that, if you, if you want to expand, well, now you've got to do all of that work over again. So that was a, a custom solution that your developers actually wrote in house and you were responsible for maintaining it your, yourself. What did that look like from uh, if you were rolling out a new region or a new account, how much work did you have to do with your custom solution to get that integrated into your monitoring? Yeah, it was as long as you were in uh, in the same region, uh, it, it was we were we had many accounts. And so we had uh, had made it work such that each development team could deploy that and get that visibility for themselves. But, but again, if they, if they wanted to use, you know, a, a different cloud product offering, uh, it would have to be tweaked for that. You know, maybe it doesn't work with RDS or, or, or some other <laughs> thing that we hadn't accounted for. And so it's a you know, constant care and feeding. Yep. Right. And clouds are constantly introducing new services and features that developers are like, ooh, I want two of those. So now you're on the hook for, for the monitoring aspect. So it sounds like you kind of gave up on that a little bit, or at least you tried some other products. And this uh, Aviatrix Copilot was the one that you landed on? Well, even even before that, um, before Copilot was out uh, and we brought Aviatrix into the organization, we, we kind of we brought Aviatrix in originally for VPN and expanded from there because of all of the other things it gave us. But uh, just right out of the box, Flight Path it gave us much of what our, that tooling had, had given us previously. Just end-to-end, -end, can this thing talk to that thing? Uh, and what Flight Path gave us on top of that was, this is why you can't talk from this thing to that thing. 
we did use, uh, Ned, as you were saying, with uh, Amazon services, it was always my joke was for an extra nickel or 25 cents, they'd give me some flow log or give me some extra feature. <laughs> and before long, we saw, you know, the cloud was always supposed to be cheaper. And before long, we saw it to be really expensive. We we were fortunate enough to be able to take advantage of Copilot uh, uh, here where I work now. And uh, being a old time, 25 years in an on-premise NetFlow you know, using all those type of Cisco devices and things like that, I really was not wanting to move to the cloud. It was I was fighting it tooth and nail. But uh, uh, using Copilot with Avatrix, it was it's it's been a real enjoyment to see, to just see be able to see those source and destination ports coming through those controllers, be able to pick up all those. Even down to uh, everything having a geo to it, so I can see the the countries I'm going to. Uh, when you're on prem, you don't you don't worry as much about that because you kind of control the edge and you kind of mm. control that a little better. With AWS uh, and, and its scalability, you find more, at least we do, uh, developers wanting to spin up their own stuff. So so it becomes a lot more kind of this uh, uh, scope creep uh, type of thing. But, you know, uh, the, the the flow IQ that they have in that product is, is really been uh, enjoyable. Plus, uh, some of the things like they have a topology replay uh, where you actually can go back months and actually see every change up, down. Like uh, if we have down like a controller or a gateway that's having some issues, I can go back and say, okay, over the past three months, this is this has been down 10 times or and see why. Go actually go look at the changes throughout that period and actually replay the topology changes within, within our, our network uh, in the cloud, which is really impressive uh, for us to be able to do that as well. So, so Justin, as an end user of the Aviators Copilot, take us, Let's go back a step. I want to understand what this is because we started out saying, hey, Flow Collector. And Flow Collector, I think, for network engineers brings in a certain you know, kind of image in mind. You've got, you've got metadata about a flow and you, there's these stack graphs and different things like that. Sometimes you can drill into them and sometimes it's helpful and sometimes it's, eh, you know, it's okay. But then you said topology and history. And so it feels like this is more than a than, than just a Flow Collector. Absolutely. So, so Copilot, at least, at least in my perspective, uh, the Avatrix crew there can can explain it more. But from from an end user, it's more of, of as it's named. It's really meant to be kind of your Copilot along along your journey and quickly see things from a from a dashboard GUI type thing. So there's quite a few, quite a few terminologies and technologies there. The 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 you know a dashboard when you log in that kind of lays out what's up, what's down, what's connected, how your overall multi-cloud looks from your Azure to your AWS being multi-cloud for us, being able to see how that overall looks. And then as you kind of see things up or down or you need to look in deeper, you can go into the flow. It is a very easy to look at. Uh, you don't have to be a network engineer to to do it. I, th- I think they kind of rolled it around there, but you can drill down. I, I often will drill down and actually pick two endpoints or pick two uh, a technology as port protocol or a service and actually start to drill down and look at that um, a lot deeper. Uh, you know, just and some things I don't like what I see. Like, hey, I've got something talking to China, and I'm like, what is that? And I'll drill. <laughs> I'll drill down. You know, you know, I kind of get that anxiety, that pressure, and I'll drill down and like, okay. You know that's something they expected, um, but but they also have built in some newer things. I've been a Copilot user for about 16, 18 months. Uh, I was a beta user, one of the first there, and kind of rolled into production. But they have recently added um, the ability to actually see threats through those controllers. Some of the the idea is basically that 
each one of your networks has a, a controller in there. And so it can see the data coming back and forth as it as you get that east to west type traffic. And uh, actually to be able to see, hey, these are some some bad IPs on a, on a, a block list or a dynamic. You know, they have some reputation to them that are not good. Your machines are talking to those. And being able to actually see that vulnerability, that protocol is real helpful to us as well. So Copilot then is your visual look at the entirety of the network, uh, all of your AVHX endpoints, all of your presence in the cloud. It knows topology. So that tells me you could do something like show me the path that this flow is taking from AWS to Azure, something like that? Absolutely. And it will actually, uh, for us, we can actually point uh, like an instance in, in uh, like an EC2 if you're looking at AWS or a virtual, you know, a virtual machine or those type of things. You can point a, actually point an instance and on two points and actually see the latency to see the path it takes, to see the trend, which is really cool. Like if I want to see, hey, is this thing starting to spike at midnight or 2 a.m.? What's going on? And then drill down to that a little better. But yeah, endpoint in to endpoint, it draws out a nice graphic for you, kind of the old school flows. Uh, you remember how the old school flow uh, uh, graphs look, it does that as well. But also it's, it can be a very simple, here's the route it takes, here's here's all your ACLs pass, all your security groups pass. Those type of things look good. Um, so you might want to dig a little deeper and, and get more into maybe what third party or something out there is blocking it. Uh, um, yeah. And pretty neat. I, I, I like to describe it as your your Visio diagram or your Lucid chart that's always, always up to date that you can troubleshoot right from within the diagram. That was actually a big, a big ask when I was at AWS talking to customers, like, what does my network look like? How, how do I even know? And I always had to say, well, you know, there's third-party tools out there that'll do that. But, but it just wasn't a, you know, seen as a something that needed to be in the platform. So it's not. And you, you'll see some of the CSPs do have it, but it's very rudimentary. So we not only have the data plane, since we know how to make API calls into all the clouds, you know, we get a lot more visibility and insight into all of these things, kind of all under the, the copilot. Um, product and that that's a, just a, kind of the day two operations part of our product. So whereas we have a product that does the the controlling the infrastructure, the controller, the copilot is the the visualization object. It's hard to show that on a podcast. Uh, it's a really really compelling demo, especially if you've seen other tools out there. It's really nice. But yeah, we can always set up uh, demos with customers, and and we we show that a lot. And we're rapidly innovating on it as well, which is really exciting. We just recently came out with ThreadIQ, the, the feature that, that Justin was talking about. And it's actually really nice because you know we're in the data plane. We're seeing all of the traffic going through the network within a cloud, within a region, between clouds. We see all of these data flows. We can actually alert on, on malicious IP addresses. So if there's bad IP ranges. So the first release that we put out, uh, it, it'll do kind of that alerting and let you know what's going on. And then, you know, the sky's the limit that from there, we can actually go in and, and in the future be able to do block rules and add more capability to be proactive about security as well. So we take that really seriously. It's a nice feature. James, a couple of questions. You know, the first one is when you were at AWS and people were asking for, you know, some insight, you were like, oh, there's third party tools. Why didn't you just shame them and say, first of all, buy my book. Second of all, what do you mean you don't know your own network? I mean, you could have gone down that road. That would have been fun, man. <laughs> yeah, we always tried to be customer obsessed and, and didn't want to push. I don't. I didn't get any royalties on that book. So, <laughs> oh, and even if you got royalties, hey, how much would those have added up to? Not much. Let's face it, not much. Oh yeah, we don't write books for the money. That's for no, sure. We don't. No, we don't. Paper of love. 
Another question here about latency, uh, latency monitoring. I, I triggered. Uh, it's one of my favorite topics, isn't it, Ned? I, I know. I'm sorry, but yeah, no. <laughs> uh, can I tell hop by hop what my latency is? It is it end to end. How does how do I get a latency measurement from uh, from Copilot? Anywhere we can measure latency. So between our gateways, we we show that those latencies. You can see within a region, between regions, between clouds. We also for site for we call it a site to cloud VPN connection. We can monitor the latency on that type of connection as well. And then um, our, our feature called AppIQ, that, that's a, a feature of Copilot. So anywhere that, that we have a link, so be it from gateway to gateway, across clouds, across regions, within clouds, and also our VPN connections to on-premises and other locations, we can track the latency on all of those and show them real time. And then you can pick uh, two, two source, uh, source and a destination in your network throughout the topology. And then we can actually map out that entire data flow and then show you the latencies along each hop. So it's a really good way, you know, if someone complains my application's slow, you know, the first thing they're gonna say, it's the network. So we can show a map and say, well, it's, it's not the network, maybe it's the application. You know, kind of the back and forth between app and, and, and networking folks. But. Another interesting thing that I pick out from that is not just the latency aspect, but when you're trying to figure out why two things just can't talk to each other, and there are some rudimentary tools in AWS and in Azure that will let you do sometimes endpoint to endpoint within the same cloud. But when you're trying to troubleshoot across two clouds or down to on-prem, that is, that's super complicated. So it sounds like that's something that, Justin, you've used this for before us to troubleshoot getting out of the cloud down to whatever instance you're working on. Can you, can you tell me a little yeah. more about that? Of course, of course. So, you know, that's one of my favorite things that saved me uh, more times than I can count because, you know, when, when I started building out cloud for us, uh, nobody wanted to touch it. And then once I get it all done, everybody wants their credit for it and their glory of it. So <laughs> so they'll spin up, uh, you know, an EC2 instance, a perfect example. They'll spin up an EC2 instance and put a security group there that doesn't allow what should happen. And then they tell me the network's broke, uh, something's wrong, you know, nothing can talk, you know, that type of, of uh, emergency and uh, being able to use Copilot or or FlightPath, like John was saying, and actually pull up those those two instances. Okay, here here's a starting point. Here's an endpoint that you just built, and actually look and say, hey, it's because your security group is blocking it. Uh, you know, so it'll actually run through uh, a, a number of checks. You know, and say, hey, your route's good, your security groups are good, your ACLs are good. Uh, you know, the network's fine. And if one of those doesn't pass, then you'll know immediately. It'll say big red box. Say, hey, your security group's bad. And then I just call the guy and say, hey, why don't you open that in your security group? And you'll be fine. And they're like, oh, how'd you know that? You know, and of course, I take all the credit and don't tell them I have Avery tricks, you know. <laughs> so it works out well. Oh, that's great. Uh, Justin, just to qualify that, you said security groups. So are we talking cloud native AWS security groups or, or, or Aviatrix security group magic? We're talking to AWS. Uh, it'll actually, you know, those, those basically open port, uh, source destination port security groups. Yep. Well, Justin, thank you for the uh, the look at Copilot. I've got a pretty good image of this in my mind here. And this, it's one of those things that where if you're a network engineer and you're used to that on-prem world and you want to have all the tooling that you, uh, that you have and you're used to and you've had for so long in the cloud, this is a way to get it. Uh, with co-pilots. But now, now I want to move us to the, the future, Justin. Well, I don't know. Is it the future for you, automation? That, that's the big question here. How have you guys done with network automation as you've headed up to public cloud? Well, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Yes, automation is the future because uh, as 
most IT groups, they never give me enough hands and I'm only one person and cloning is not working well yet. So I, I do need to automate some features, absolutely. And uh, we, we do have a little bit of automation in our network uh, uh, around Palo Alto type things. But uh, uh, fortunately, I've been talking to Avatrix about using Terraform for ours because you know we're spinning up new accounts, new VPCs, uh, sometimes twice a day. And uh, mm-hmm. with, with just a small group uh, managing all we manage, it, it's, it's hard. So you know, our goal, and I know John can talk more about this, our goal is to basically use uh, Terraform, use automation to, hey, uh, trigger, do some trigger through, uh, through some tickets, instance type things, and actually do all that work for us and be good there. So before we get to the specifics then, Justin, can you describe the, the setup where you see automation being used as in you got tickets coming in describing some kind of work? Is that like someone spinning up a workload and you need to do some sort of network provisioning in conjunction with that? Or is it like you got to pave the road ahead of time sort of a thing like we've done historically? Well, so so a little bit of both. So it's it's really for us um, and, and our environment is, is as we scale um, adding new accounts. Uh, so they'll spin up an account uh, in AWS or in Azure and need actual network, uh, whether it's like a VPC or some sort of virtual private cloud there. And, you know, in order for that to talk to other things, some action has to be taken. So, you know, if not, it's just going to, they, they won't, they won't be able to, you know, remote into their EC2 instances or into their VMs. They won't be able to do their work, get to it, access, won't be able to talk to other functions, databases, and things like that. So where we're heading is actually allowing um, our ticketing system, they will open up a ticket and say, hey, I've opened a new new uh, uh, VPC or a new account and they actually use Terraform and Avatrix to actually do that connection for us. And and from that point, with that, with that automation, we don't have to actually go into the UI. The UI is really good. It's easy. I've used it for, you know, uh, 50 plus uh, uh, accounts, but it's it's really easy to go in and actually join those. You just do a Terraform, uh, I mean, a, a CloudFormation script and actually just pull that in there and it'll onboard the account. It's really easy to name it a few things, but automation would save me a lot of time during the day. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I'm a terrible typist. So oh. doing anything in a UI more than once is just a bad idea. I'm just inviting oh. horror oh. to myself. Yeah. <laughs> Ned, do, do you have this problem, Ned, where you'll name it one way and then you'll forget how you named it on the next one. And so the, the, like even my, my standards, my tagging gets messed up and I'm like, Oh, capitalize this. And that's where the, the automation really helps for me. Oh, Justin, <laughs> I feel seen. I really do. Cause I, I can never remember, Oh, did I name it, you know, VM name and then region yep. name and then country yep. name, or did I do it the other way that, and it's like, no, I put it in automation and it just does it the same way every time set the standard yep. once let something else worry about it that that's what i'm looking for when it comes to automation i feel you there and and once you go down that path it's it's really addictive once once your infrastructure it not only just named the same but acting the same you know mm-hmm. you're you you've written some code and you've deployed a, a a development network and then use that same code to deploy your production network and you just you have that confidence you know that you can build networks over and over again and you know that they're exactly identical so i'm curious in terms of workflow you have someone come in and they want to get something done so they go into the ticketing system they open a ticket and i'm sure you've given them some fields they have to fill out once they've done that and submitted the ticket where does it go from there do you have to sanitize inputs are you plugging into specific apis like what how's the workflow go from that ticket to actually realizing what they want 
you know, I think you have to, it depends on, you know, which workflow you're talking about. And I know, you know, when I've implemented this as the customer, this kind of thing, I wanted to just expose to the ticketing system or the, the, the repository, those things that the person making the request cares about and write the code in such a way that it just takes those as input and drops them in where it needs to go. And, and it, the automation runs from there. Just an example of, of this was we had an automation pipeline for user onboarding, right? That nothing to do with the networking team, but user, user gets onboarded. And just out of that system, we were able to hook in Aviatrix's VPN Terraform such that it would just drop a person's uh, email address and what group they were in. You know, they, I belong to the, you know, the sales department and the Terraform would just go out and apply that configuration, give that person VPN access and set them up with the access that was reasonable for somebody on the sales team. And that was different than somebody who was getting VPN access that was part of the IT team, much, much less access for somebody on the sales team. Yeah. And, and for this, you know, when we're talking Avatrix, um, you know, in AWS and, and, and the cloud, you can go a few ways to get your network kind of connected. You can go a transit gateway or you can go the old school, you know, uh, uh, what they call an IPsec uh, transit, which is basically a bunch of IPsec tunnels that cut you some east to west type traffic. Avatrix uh, has what they call now the, the Avatrix Transit, which basically puts these controllers at the at the gateway at the entry points. And um, you know, whenever a new account needs to come on, a new new VPC, a new virtual private cloud, or new subnets, you can actually uh, automate those. You know, and our goal is to actually automate those so it spins up those those gateways at at the edge there of that new virtual private cloud and makes that connection on the back plane to the, to the rest of the network. So basically it's like spinning up a multi-site or another site, you know, another facility if it's on-prem type thing with an MPLS or whatever it might be. Okay. And so are you hooking into an Aviatrix API to do this or are you directly going to Terraform? So what's the interaction there when it comes to the automation component? You know, you you have you have those options, right? You can you can hook directly into the API if that suits your needs. Um, obviously, we recommend Terraform and our official Terraform provider, which sits on top of the API. It's calling the API underneath. We we recommend that for sure, as as if you can use that. But there are certainly use cases where you can just go to the API directly. Wait a minute, John. You're hedging on the API. Does, is this documented, and I can use the API, and it's 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 all cool? Because you're like, eh, but use Terraform. What are you trying to say, man? <laughs> no, no, absolutely. We 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 definitely publish a publish our API spec for customers, and uh, and then you know, like I said, Terraform is just we build that with feature parity with with what's in the UI, what's in the API. Okay, gotcha. So if I am in a shop where I'm already using Terraform to a certain degree, it's very easy to integrate Aviatrix because it's just, it's another provider. And I'm pretty familiar with using those. Not a problem. 100%. When when we uh, moved from using the CSPs, uh, NAT gateways to Aviatrix gateways, we already had a pipeline built with Terraform to do that for all of our accounts. And so it was just as simple as taking out the Terraform that did the cloud 
native gateway and putting in the aviatrix gateway and running the same pipeline we had very little effort to make that switch we we definitely recommend terraform because you know i think of terraform as being the network automation multi-cloud specialist just like aviatrix is the multi-cloud networking specialist right it really goes hand in hand so once you learn once you learn the skills around how to write Terraform code, you, you don't have to relearn that for a different cloud. Each cloud has their their own infrastructure as code platform. Right. Yes, I'm familiar with all of them. And to varying degrees, they are successful. Here's a point of, of if I'm using Terraform to deploy networking to, say, AWS and Azure, I'm using Terraform to do it, but I'm using different providers and I still have to understand the constructs that exist in AWS and Azure and anything else I bring in. Is there anything about the Aviatrix provider that further abstracts some of that for me? So I just have to understand how Aviatrix works and now I'm good on all the clouds? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, when you're using the Aviatrix provider, you're you're not going to the cloud directly. You're going to the Aviatrix controller and then the controller is orchestrating all of that. So our resources are built in such a way that it's really just a matter of kind of defining your what what you want, what gateways or network architecture you want. And then it's just parameters that say, do this in Azure, do this in, uh, do this in AWS. And we even package up uh, some of these concepts and architectures into Terraform modules that we uh, we publish as well, um, and you can just pull those off of the shelf, and it'll just do very specific things. It's kind of an a la carte: pick what you need and and deploy. As in, I pull basically, I pull the recipe from you, deploy it, and it, it builds out some canned topology for me. Exactly right, and and in some cases, you know, that will be exactly what you need. Uh, and in some cases, that will be a a model by which you would then customize to your needs. Deploy the model and then uh, and then tweak it for exactly. whatever the bits are I need from there. Yeah, exactly right. So how do I get that stuff? Is that all? Is that GitHub? Is that up on Aviatrix's site? Where where do I get all that stuff? Yes, it's all of that. So uh, yeah, as a as a uh, official Terraform provider, you go out to the Terraform registry. You see all of our resources, all of the modules uh, that we publish with links to uh, GitHub on the back end. Like the actual code, you can also go look at. Right, right. Yeah. So if the module you've published is close, but it's not quite there, I can clone that module and customize it for my organization and then either host it on my own GitHub or I can, I think you can now publish back to the Terraform registry if you sign up for an account or something like that. So. Exactly right. For sure. For sure. Or you could just, you know, keep it to yourself locally if you want. (laughs) If you don't want to share, you're embarrassed. Or or if you're you're like me, who's like a bull in a china shop when it comes to Terraform, I I say, hey, John, can you help me? And John says, sure, I'll help you. So, you know, they're they're really good about helping uh, us old school, uh, you know, hate the cloud, you know, was the cloud out there type thing. So. Justin, how how far are you in your mind from getting to the fully automated state you'd like to be? 
we're, we're not as far as what I'd once for sure thought was attainable. I mean, I'd say we're really close. We, we finally have a stability. You know, sometimes it's more of my uncomfortableness of actually automating things because I'm like, do I really want to trust, you know, what it's doing? You know, because what if it wipes everything out and then I have to work all night to manually rebuild that thing? <laughs> But as as it, the holdup is not the technology. The technology is there. Uh, Avatrix does a great job with resources. They've asked me many times, hey, can we help you automate this? And I'm like, ah, I don't think I'm quite yet ready. But the more work comes and I'm like, okay, I need help. And, you know, so I, I think it's more just me becoming comfortable. I, I think I don't think it's uh, I don't think there's any holdups, even as uh, even as chaotic as our network sometimes might look from all the different tweaks and the different custom stuff. It, it's easily done. It's just it's just. It's just taking that step. Do you have a lab environment or some way that you're testing this out to help get that comfort level? Well, yeah, I probably should. Uh, uh, <laughs> let, let's just say I've broke a lot of stuff. Uh, how's that? And then, then I, you know, it's like, okay, why is that broke? Uh, you know, I ain't tell them I was I was playing with this or that. But uh, no, we probably should. Um, uh, we're getting there. It's it's really for us. It's been a it's been a whirlwind, and I think that's probably a lot with the cloud. They don't they don't want to wait, so it's always quickly. And so I figure it out on the fly, and then when it just becomes overwhelming is when I look to do stuff like that. But, uh, yes, absolutely, we should probably have a, a lab environment, yes. <laughs> did, I, did I mention – did I mention our Terraform uh, modules that you can just pull off the shelf and <laughs> spin these Run things up? You did. you did. So don't call John. I think that's what he said. Don't call him. <laughs> I'm curious how much you're using it to spin up the initial infrastructure versus ongoing maintenance and changes. Because that's that's one of the big challenges I've encountered is it's easy to spin it up in a vacuum right? I don't have anything that exists. But now someone wants to go in and tweak something and they don't tell me. And then I go to try to run my Terraform config to update it. And it's like, there's all these changes Terraform doesn't know about. Have you run into that problem? Or are you working through that now? So for us, um, yes, that's a good point. I mean, we, we do have some Terraform, like I said, with our Palo Altos and things like that. Um, and I have run into that a lot, Ned, where where somebody will change a load balancer or something, and then I get that dreaded, oh, what's what's different when it goes to look at the environment? The the thing I found about Avatrix is it is it is pretty self-learning in a lot of ways too. And I'm sure James and John can can expand on that. But if if we had a subnet, it will pick those up. If we had certain things, once that's there, you know, uh, it's not like something where I've got to go manually take care of a route table. In AWS with the transit gateway, you got to manually update those routes. Mm. It can get very hard. Very you know, it, with with Avatrix, it'll actually see if I had a new subnet, if a new route comes on, it will learn that automatically for me and start applying it where it needs to be. So very little tweaking like that. Um, you know, um, uh, you know, if a new VPC comes up, you do have to run it to, to join that kind of bring it onto the network. But from that point, the tweaks, it will learn pretty, pretty sufficient, fell over automatic things of that nature. So it does cut down even, Avatrix cuts down a lot of the, the need to constantly be in there fixing, you know, and adjusting things that somebody else has done. Also all the manual work that's error prone. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, and I think I think just Justin, for, for you particularly here, what I'm hearing is maybe a, a hesitance to uh, kind of like maybe you don't know where to start, and and that's what's kind of uh, uh, beautiful about uh, our uh, well about Terraform um, and our use of it is that you really don't have don't feel that you have to automate the whole thing end to end, you know, data plane, control plane. 
security, segmentation, like all, all of this stuff. Um, you really don't want to because then then you're that's like kind of all your responsibility, right? You can just pull off pieces and 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 do what makes sense and do more over time and kind of bring it all together and 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 have uh, you know build pipelines and workflows that are managed not by you necessarily. Like I, I mentioned, the user VPN. Um, I, I handed that automation off to the folks who did user onboarding, and they just they took care of it, and then I didn't have to worry about it. Um, and so it's it, it's really easy to kind of start small and then build out over time. Terraform even will allow you to you have resources that are deployed that you then want to bring under uh, infrastructure as code control. You can import that into Terraform and then start building your pipelines around that, even though originally you built that infrastructure by hand. John, I love that you're just saying pipeline and pipelines, throwing that word around because, you know, back in the day, what pipeline meant was ticket, me, change control, approval, maintenance window, me, testing. It's working. Yes, I can go home now. Close ticket. That was pipeline. And what you mean by pipeline is such a different animal now. I, what, what I mean is when a developer wants a firewall changed because they know what their application needs to talk to, I don't have to, as the network operator, I don't have to be the one responsible for deciding whether that's a good idea. I can put that off on the security folks who actually have that responsibility <laughs> and make them do the approval and then have that automatically applied and yeah take take the me out of all of that that you just described see unless unless you're john like me where nobody wanted to touch the cloud so now i am cloud architect cloud security on prem security you know uh later so it's like it's all me you know that <laughs> there's some conference room or some email chain where you raised your hand justin yep. and, and you can point to the day yep. and now you're yep. the guy yep. and, and ethan can you imagine the uh the inner dialogue i have you know the security guy they were guys like just allow him so i don't have to hear him complain anymore and the security guy's like no you can't do it you know and it's it's a it's a mad mess in my mind for sure uh, that brings up an interesting perspective which is the dev sec ops perspective where security is intertwined with the rest of this pipeline and everything else. Is there anything on the Aviatrix platform that helps look at a proposed configuration you might be trying to run with Terraform or something and, and picks out, oh, that's not such a good idea from a security perspective, or the security team can review it before it actually gets applied to your environment? So from my perspective on that, and I, James, I don't know, um, maybe you want to chime in about flight check. But what I was describing, a pipeline where someone with a developer persona wanting changes to firewall rules and actually doing a pull request, a GitHub pull request, actually modifying the code, which I had written in such a way that it abstracted them from the actual Terraform resources. They just needed to go update the, I want to talk to this thing on these ports. And once that pull request was generated, that would automatically alert the security team who had to approve prior to merging of that uh, of that code. And it, okay. the merging of the code was the uh, there was automation in place to implement that code. So from that standpoint, 
it's not it's not an automatic check. It's not <laughs> right. uh, it's not the product validating, but it's putting in a process that uh, involves the people who are responsible for that approval to to force them to be to be there and do it in an automated way. So, so it sounds like there's not like integrated testing at this point, but but we could say, is there anything that a sanity checking that is done before a change is deployed? Yeah, definitely. So, so one of the things that we do in the controller is that we look at the all of the IP ciders across all of the clouds and all of the deployments. So we can actually let you know if you're using our automation to create a VPC or VNet, we can say, hey, just so you know, that, that cider already exists. It's probably going to be a bad idea to do that. And unless you've segmented your network and you have separate different types of paths. Um, but yeah, we're, we're looking for that networking correctness and evaluating it in part of our controller. And in fact, we can alert on that too. So if someone did go ahead and do something um, like that, we, we could send them an alert out. And Ned, Ethan, one of the neat things that really drew me to Avatrix was I really was struggling to get the east to west traffic in AWS. It was it was really hard to get those cross VPC what is talking to what type traffic. And Avatrix has a real uh, nice solution to deploy basically east to west firewalls. And you can use a various different products, but it's baked into their product. And so a lot of the security checks for us is actually built into our firewall rules. So even if somebody spins something up and it somehow got run to connect our firewall rules that, that govern that east to west would protect us. And so so some of that is baked. If you do the firewalls and stuff just comes up on the network, you Avatrix gives you that east to west inspection. And beyond that, they also have, I'm sure James could talk to it, but one of the neat things uh, is they have actual, not just, um, you can actually segment by what they call domains, security domains. So like you could have a, a prod domain, you could have a, a dev QA or whatever, and you could say these accounts can talk to these accounts, these be, be, uh, virtual private clouds can talk to these, whether it's multi-cloud or whatever. And if something comes up and tries to jump over that, that's going to be a hard, basically, route block on them. It's really nice. Well, this has been a good discussion. It's one of those things where as you begin to spend time in the public cloud and you run into the shortcomings, you hear a solution like this and go, okay, this is filling in a lot of the blanks for me. So Aviatrix, thank you for coming on the show. One remaining question I really have, James, is, is this. This feels like, I don't want to say a heavy lift, but there's a lot here to implement if I want more, what are my resources from Aviatrix to help me get this thing rolled out in my production environment? Yeah, and, and I would say, yeah, I mean, a lot of our customers get up and running quickly. In fact, I've never seen a provider put out a, like kind of do a proof of concept and have it up and running in like 10, 20 minutes or certainly under an hour if everything's going good. So, you know, we, we do POCs with customers all the time. Uh, and we we are here too as resources, and and I think Justin can attest to that. You know, we, we we love our customers. We give them lots of support, even when they're coming up with the most insane NAT scenarios you've ever seen. We're able to <laughs> to do those yeah. and test them out. We're we're here to support that. You know, kind of being the Swiss Army knife of capabilities for the cloud and and solving these complex problems that you know are are unique and pervasive enough that we can solve them, but that they're just hard to do at the CSP scale. Um, so I think that we're, we'll have a good future there and be relevant. And in, we also offer training. We actually have our Aviatrix certified engineer. I think we're up to over 12,000 certified engineers now. So that's been a really successful program. We have a, an associate version of that that we typically do for free. We have a professional version that's kind of a in-classroom virtual type of certification as, as well. And, and we're expanding to even more certifications as well. We have a, a DevOps cert um, and we're, we're looking to add more to and expand that. 
Um, and, th and that's a multi-cloud certification too. Our, our, our associate one, you learn about all of the major cloud providers and actually it's not anything about Aviatrix. It's the professional course where we start getting into the Aviatrix platform and how to use it. In addition, we have professional services. We can certainly provide our, uh, you know, kind of hands on the keyboard type of support. And, and we have great people that do that. That's, that's my next call that I'm on. Um, they're great with helping the customers come up with options and think through everything because it's easy to, you know, as you go into cloud, just, oh, I'll just check this box and don't think about it. Or I'll just deploy this and don't think about it. And then th that becomes difficult. So we'll help you think through all those options and come up with the best architecture. And then we also have our CCOE, our cloud center of excellence, where we can actually do kind of like a staff augmentation if you need kind of more dedicated support on your team. We're really here to help customers, um, you know, be successful and deploy their cloud network. And that's, that's not something you want to get wrong. You only kind of get one chance when you're going into a cloud to do the network, right? Great stuff. Thank you again, all of you, for joining us today. James Devine, John Smoker, and Justin Payne for having this discussion about Aviatrix, the co-pilot product, and many of the automation tools that are there. If you're listening and you want to find out more, aviatrix.com. They are on Twitter at AviatrixSys and on LinkedIn, aviatrix Systems. Now, if you're looking for more technical uh, discussion, you want to dive into more about how Aviatrix works on the back end, there are more Aviatrix shows in the Packet Pushers catalog. If you go to packetpushers.net and search for Aviatrix, a whole bunch of content's going to pop up, including heavy networking episodes 507 and 589. Thank you to Aviatrix for sponsoring today's show. And hey, you're still listening. There you are listening. Boy, you're awesome. Virtual high fives to you for tuning in, you awesome human. If you have suggestions for future shows, we would love to hear them. You can hit Ned and I up on Twitter. We're listening to you at Day 2 Cloud Show. Or you can fill out the form on Ned's fancy website, nedinthecloud.com. One bit of housekeeping for you this week. Packet Pushers has a weekly newsletter, Human Infrastructure Magazine. Him is loaded with the very best stuff we found on the internet, plus our own feature articles and commentary. It's free and it doesn't suck. We don't sell your soul or like give away your email or anything like that. We just want to get you the newsletter each week. That's all it's about. Packetpushers.net slash newsletter. And until then, just remember, cloud is what happens while IT is making other plans. 